and those feasts that are, of course, listed in what we refer to as the Old Testament. Um, and we probably spent two years on that. The feasts that, were, that belonged to the Lord, they were never originally called the Feast of Israel. It was a feast of the Lord. The Lord said, these are my feasts, and you will keep these which are my feasts. And what those feasts were was a living, as it were, living, moving uh, testimony of Jesus Christ. Now by that I mean he was the testimony of, of our union and of our relation with Christ. Israel had to be gathered together. They had to come to the door. They had to come by way of the door and the blood of the Lamb. All of that in type and shadow, but that's a reality in our salvation because the blood of the Lamb is the blood of the Lamb of God, which is Christ Himself. All the types and shadows come to their end in Christ Himself. And it is with Christ Himself that we have to do. So all of these feasts were summing up, and they did that year by year by year, were a summing up of the salvation which was yet to come at their day, was yet to come. The good things of God that God promised, pointed to, and set up types and shadows of were yet to come. But those things have now come in Christ. So we have brought the type and the shadow from the uh, feasts, from the feasts uh, in Israel, right into the person of the Lord Himself, whose very own body we are. So I've been using this term both in the Wednesday sessions that I do and, and the Sunday morning sessions uh, when I do those. Uh, I'm talking about the reality of our being in Christ the reality, not the type and the shadow. Now, those types and those shadows were real. I mean, uh, they actually gathered. They actually gathered together during those feasts. They didn't, you know, they didn't send a messenger to say we'd like to be there, but we can't come today. They actually gathered together, so there was a, there was a reality to all of these feasts. They actually brought sacrifices. There was a reality to that. They actually brought themselves. The priest and the priesthood actually went through real ceremonies of offering sacrifices and of the anointing and all that is gathered up into that. These weren't play acting. And, and in again in type and shadow the presence of the Lord was there. The cloud 
the cloud by day, the pillow of fire by night. It was visible, but it was a visible testimony. Let's call it that, because that's what it is. Jesus says, search the scriptures, and them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And he's talking about that all that is set forth in the scripture, both by the prophets and by and in uh, Israel, uh, all that is gathered up in the scripture and set forth is speaking of Christ. And uh, it was at that time you know that he came to his own, but his own received him not. They actually kept the testimony and rejected the living witness. And if we're not careful, Han, in a great sense, we can do the same thing in that we can accept that we're the body of Christ, but then we'll continue to live pretty much our own lives, waiting for some day in the future when we'll be, you know, the body of Christ. Or we can see that we are the city of God and yet live in a fashion that says, well, we're waiting one day to go to the city of God. That can slip in to our natural carnal minds. And that's what we're doing in these sessions. Now, and and, and let, the thing I'm, the point I'm trying to make is Israel could not, they could not miss these, these times of gathering. They could not do it. If they did, they were put out of Israel. This was a very serious thing. The pattern that was given to Moses concerning these, these, uh, these gatherings, concerning where they gathered, concerning what they did when they gathered, all of these patterns were given to Moses on Mount Sinai during that period of time that Israel was encamped there at Mount Sinai. The pattern of the of the tabernacle, but not only the building of it, the pattern of the function of it, and the function of all of the priests of it, and the function of the high priest, and the garments that they wore, and the sacrifices that they offered, and on and on and on. The whole pattern of what was, what we can call the old covenant, the whole pattern of the function of Moses and Israel. The whole pattern was given. And several times the Lord told Moses, be very sure, be very careful, very sure that you do all things according to the pattern given to you in the mount. Now, hun, throughout your Bible, what happens in the mount of God throughout your Bible, particularly going back to Abraham. In the mount it shall be seen. But even before that, even before that, and I won't just take all of a bunch of time. You, you, you on. 
you know these things if you've read the Scripture. I'm simply just pointing them out so I don't want to sit here and teach on them. The pattern. That which God set forth in, in the mount. I mean, I mean, for instance, for instance, all right, Moses and Israel coming across the Red Sea. Just, just out of Egypt. Delivered. Delivered out of Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh, his armies, destroyed. Now they had just come across the Red Sea and all of that had just happened. And there is what is called in the Bible the prophetic song of Moses. And that is Genesis, Genesis or Exodus rather, Exodus 15. Now look at verse 17. Thou shalt bring them in. Now here they were out of Egypt. And now the purpose, now the reality of it. Because in God's mind, He is not seeing them as being out of Egypt any more than in God's mind is He seeing you and me just out of sin, out of Adam. No, no. He was seeing them in Canaan. He dealt with them in that way. You, you know that he did because, because they wouldn't go on in God's thought. They wouldn't go on in God's view of things. That They all died wandering around in that wilderness. Why? Why? Because they wouldn't go where God saw them to be. His whole concept of deliverance was not getting out of anything but coming in. Remember, God was, didn't just form Israel so He could do a bunch of things for a bunch of people called Israel or called Hebrews or whatever you, you want to say. This whole dealing of God with Moses and with Israel is just like His dealing with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It wasn't really about them. They were chosen that He might deal with them in view of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in view of Christ. Everything was in view of Christ. It wasn't in view of Abraham or Isaac. No, no, they were there. It was in view of Christ. The seed was in view of Christ. The Holy Lamb was in view of Christ. The inheritance was in view of Christ. Come on, darling. That's why Ishmael, uh, who was... You know, who was born because of disobedience on the part of Abraham, but that, that's, that's why he was not accepted as, as the seed of God, because Isaac was given of God as a testimony of the seed that was to come, which seed, Paul says, is Christ. What I'm telling you, Jesus said, They are they, the scripture. And that means everything that is written in the Scripture, every, every story that is there, the people, the places, the things, what God was doing, what God did do, everything. They are they which testify of me. And that's what we're doing in these classes. We're bringing the testimony over into the reality of the person. The reality of the person. And so they come across the Red Sea. 
And verse 17, Thou shalt bring them in. And what is it he's coming to? To the mountain of thine inheritance. Later on, Psalms, David in Psalms talks about that. God hath set his king upon his holy mountain, and he hath declared, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And you bring that right over into the Son of God in his resurrection as the firstborn out from among the dead. Yes, as the end and destruction and the taking away of the first, and yet as the beginning and the fullness and the substance of the second, of the new. And that's what we've been talking about. A new creation in Christ. New creation in Christ. But you see, hon, what we have to understand is that that new creation is Christ is Christ. Christ as to its glory, as to its light, as to its life, as to its very existence. We're going to read in a moment, my intention is, and that's where we've been in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Down in verse 17. It's amazing that there we've come to verse 17, and I've been looking at this in Exodus 15, verse 17. Because it's all speaking about the same thing. The place where you have prepared for thyself to dwell in, and the Lord shall reign forever. That's in Exodus 15, verse 17. You need to read that. Because what has happened is what God prophesied there, what he promised there, that part of the Song of Moses, with regard, with regard to those who are his. And so Israel was a type of that. But then, of course, you see, Israel didn't enter in. Israel did not enter in. They, they roamed around 40 years and died, and then the Lord brought a second group in. Why? Because... He must have a testimony that the Son of God Himself will fulfill. And so, He brings another group. His dealings with Israel like that are again and again and again. Look at them after they enter into the land. They fail to do what they're told to do. And so, He has to raise up one judge after another judge uh, the judges are the deliverers, one of whom, you know, one of whom was Samson, and, and, and they went on. I think there were 13 judges right down to Samuel, dealing with Israel, mostly because of the backslidings of Israel. Why did the Lord keep dealing with them? Because, because he set them forth as a testimony of salvation that must come and that did come in His Son, Jesus Christ. 
And, and so he, that son comes in the fullness of time. That son is right in the midst of Israel of that day, 2,000 years ago, but he's right there. He comes to them. He shows himself to them. He shows them the scriptures. He shows them himself. He shows them one miracle after another, which God also did when he was bringing them out of Egypt. He, he showed them one miracle after another, miracle after another miracle, and so Christ does that. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But this time, this time, and to those who do receive him, who did receive him, who will receive him, shall he give power to become the sons of God. And that brings us right over into the New Testament period. All right? So that's where we are now. We are not living in the days that prophesy of a day to come. And I want to get this said in this class. The word that is possessing my mind and heart for this class today is this word now. N-O-W, now. Now in Christ. Maybe I'll get to read some of these verses to you in a minute. It is now. So we're not living in days. Those days have come to their end. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews says that. Times past, God spake in divers manners and this way and that way to the fathers by the prophets, but hath, hath, and the, the original verse says, hath in, or an original interpretation of that verse, hath in the end of those days, the days that I've just been talking to you about, the days of the testimony. Those were great days, necessary days, but they came to their end when the fulfillment of all of those days and of everything that was said in those days, of all the types and shadows, promises, songs, prophecies. Hebrew writer in the first three verses, and first three sentences, gathers all of those days up in one. In one. Gathers it all up in the Son. God who in diverse ways, manners, different, different places, different things, different times, by the prophets, in the end of those days, hath spoken in Son. Gathered everything up into the Son. The Son is the fulfillment of it all. He is the essence, the glory of it, of it all. Let me show you something here. Now, we'll just turn here in the scriptures. I've been uh, in the other classes that I've had on this, including Sunday morning. I've been reading from 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. I'm going to go back one more chapter. Why? Well, because all of this is leading me to 2 Corinthians 5, 
verse 17, which says, Therefore, if any man, and in, a, in, in, one of, in one of the older manuscripts, more original manuscript, it, it, therefore, whosoever. But it's the same thing. King James says, therefore, if any man. Now the therefore points back, and we, we won't go there right now. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, and that includes all of the old things, all of the old covenant, all of the old order, the first order of things, the testimony of things. Yeah, even the, even the, even the glory of it, all of it are passed away. You understand? Because at their best they spoke of something that tree of life in the garden at its best spoke of something that was not yet come. And that was Christ himself as the true tree of life. And it's that way all the way through the scriptures. Are passed away. Behold. Just that word sitting there and how it, it, and it's, when you see it throughout the scripture, it's always with this reference, stop, look, consider, see, behold. Jesus says, behold, I am alive forevermore. Behold, which means look at me. Look at me. That's what it is. Look at me. Focus. Focus. Here. Look at me. And it's actually when, in reference to Christ here. Behold, all things have become new. But that's an error. It's, it, it's true, but it's a, it's a poor translation of the verse. The better translation of this very verse you can look it up in, in revised versions of the King James. You can find it in several of the revised versions. So, I, you know, I, I don't make these things up. Particularly, I don't make these things up when I speak them to you or when I speak them to anybody, but particularly when it's going out into the body of Jesus Christ. No, I don't make these things up. I'm telling you what you can find if you'll search this out. Behold, the new is come. See? All things are become new. But that is not a good translation. That, that isn't what the original would say. Now, we can, we can stretch that and say, well, that is true because Christ is the newness of all things in a new, you know, and, and that's right. Behold, in another place in, in, in Revelation, which is true to the scripture there, behold, I make all things new. Why? Because he is the newness of all things given of God. 
And new and newness has nothing to do with times and dates and years. It's new as to quality. It is new because it is not flesh, not corruptible, not mortal, cannot pass, eternal, eternal, new as to quality, the newness is Christ himself. And that's how you read this verse, therefore, whosoever or if any man be where? In Christ. Well, hon, yes, our new birth is in Christ. Our baptism is in Christ. And that makes our new birth a spiritual matter. Not a temp temporal matter, not an earthly matter. It's not as simple as signing a card or pledging an amount. No, it's a, it, it is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. It is the eternal seed and the eternal Son of God coming in to your soul by His own eternal Spirit. That one Spirit. That one Spirit. Each of us having, let me show you that. I'll come back here. Each of us having one Spirit. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 verse 1. I therefore, Paul speaking, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That you walk with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, then verse 4, there is. Now this is, all gonna, this is all in Christ, in Christ. We can go back here any, farther in Ephesians. It's all referring to being in Christ. Paul says it 230 some odd times. In Christ, in whom, in Him, in the Beloved. It's all the same thing, in Christ. And it is speaking of a relationship that is inward. A relationship that is wrought by the Spirit of God in our souls. A relationship that the death of this temporal body will not affect one way or another. And yet it is a relationship that does affect this temporal body. Therefore you present your bodies as servants of the Lord who lives in you. And you present your bodies as instruments of the Lord of righteousness who lives in you. You don't present your bodies as means whereby we try to be like Jesus 
because salvation is not like Jesus. Salvation is Jesus. It is Jesus Christ living in you. And right now, sitting here before you, I have committed this body and this voice and these eyes and these ears, you know, to this gospel. And this is not the only thing that I do. If whatever I was doing, if I was straightening these chairs here in this auditorium, still the same thing. Why is it the same thing? Because I have but one life. And that life is Christ. See, I'm not, I'm not trying to get my body to live like a Christian. All of that is in my soul. For I know that Christ is my life. Consequently, what I do in this body, I do according to the condition and reality that is in my soul. I don't have two lives. One life, a religious life, a spiritual life, and another life, a natural life. No. No, I have, no, no, Paul says, it is Christ who liveth in me. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The, the life, I'm sitting here right now in faith. I'm sitting here right now understanding to the measure that the Spirit of God has worked in me I'm sitting here in an understanding that I have no life but Christ. I have nothing to preach or teach or even discuss but that which Christ himself is, declaring the reality of Christ that he is in you. You are born from above, then Christ is in you. You are by the Spirit of God baptized into Christ, all of this being a spiritual work, then you are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Christ is living and dwelling in you. Then the resurrection and the life is right now in you. You have now been quickened together with his body, the body that you are part of, quickened together, raised together, seated together. You and I together in Christ, in the heavens. And yet I look around and I'm in this building and, and you're watching me on whatever it is you're watching me on and you're someplace in an office, an automobile, a living room, you're someplace doing that. But honey, those places are passing away every day. They're passing away. I'll get up and leave this building. You'll get up and leave wherever you are right now. But one place we won't leave and that's where the Spirit of God has brought us to be. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. In Christ, hon. That's what we're talking about, the reality of being in Christ. The word in, you should know, but the word in, as it is translated in the New Testament Greek, in the Greek, means 
a relationship of peace and rest as to do with time, time eternal in Christ, but has to do with just the, that word in, means that, that word in, wherever it's used. And in the scripture, it's in Christ, in him, it's in Christ. But the word used in the Greek, translated in the Greek, means a relationship of peace, of rest. There are several more words I could throw in there, but, but peace and rest. having to do with time, place, and state of being. The word in, in reference to Christ then, the time with which it has to do is eternity. In Christ, eternal life. Christ in you, eternal life. You know, we're not jumping in and out of Him like a sewing machine needle. No, no. We're raised together and seated together in the heavens. No, no, in Christ. And eye hath not seen, neither can it see, not natural eye, hath never seen it, saw the beauties of that one glorious temple that spoke of it, that pointed toward it there that Solomon finished, but never seen, never seen that which is not made with hands. And that, that city, that house, that union that we have come to in Christ is not one made by hands, but it is by the Spirit of God. And it is eternal. So in Christ, having to do with time, place, not somewhere on earth, not in a literal building, or I say literal, <laughs> not in a temporal building, not there, but in the heavens, in the heavens. You understand, hon, that the, 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 the tabernacle of Moses, beyond that one veil where the high priest went one time a year, is a type and shadow of the reality that we have in Christ. It's a type and shadow of the heavens where the presence and glory of God is. Well, hon, Christ lives in you and it is Christ in you who is the fulfillment of that hope. That hope of God's glory to which we are now come in Christ. So let me go back. Let me go back to 2 Corinthians 3. Now, what, what is the summation of this? It's, in, it's verse 17 of chapter 5. And in teaching this here um, in some Wednesday nights, some of the Wednesday classes, some Sunday classes, I've gone back as far as chapter 4, but I want to go back in just a few minutes that we've got, probably got, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes or so left here. Uh, in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, Paul is, 
I started to say Paul is comparing the first with the second. Paul is showing that there is no comparison between the first and the second. See, that's what he's doing here. He is showing that there is no real comparison between the things under the old covenant and the reality of Christ under the new covenant. There's no comparison. See, you cannot... Hun, you can't compare the reality of heaven with the types and shadows of it in the Old Testament. You can't do it. Those things came and went with the passage of days, let alone the passage of years. And more than that, the passage of the structures, of the structures themselves, and many cases of the cities themselves. There is no comparison. They were speaking of something of which they could not compare. They were a testimony. That's what they were, a testimony. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. For if the administration of condemnation, and he's speaking of, you want to go back to the beginning, you want to go back to verse 1 in chapter 3? I don't think I've got time to do it. You can, but I brought you here to chapter 3 for a reason. Well, verse 6 says, who also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the administration of death, written and engraved in stones, was glorious. Now that's speaking of Moses, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, all of that was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the administration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the administration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the administration of righteousness exceed in glory. These words much more reach far beyond things that we can measure or actually even imagine the measureless, measurelessness of them. That's the way Paul uses this. It's just, I used to call it the much more salvation. Much more. Uh, I know, I know in our English language, you know, we use different words and all of that, and a lot of them don't mean that much, but this wasn't translated from the English language. Translated into the English language from a language that actually presents pictures of everything and actually reaches far beyond the ability to explain the greatness of what it is what it is saying. That's the reason we got so many Bible dictionaries trying to explain certain words to you and to me. Much more is one of them, and it's talking about these two ministrations, the administration of sin and death under the law, under Moses, 
under the veil that was upon his face, finally upon the face, yes, the face of what was representing heaven and the Ark of the Covenant, which was representing our, our union with Christ in glory. Oh yes, a heavenly union. Everything is set there. Everything. There is the mercy seat. Well, all right, you know about that. But my point is, hon, we have come from the one, the testimony, the veiled, the hidden, the temporal, to that which is not hidden, but revealed of God in the person of His Son, and, and everything that is revealed of God in the person of His Son is revealed of God, listen to me, is revealed of God as being His Son. God reveals the peace of God in His Son. He does so by revealing the Son as the peace of God. And that's the same way with this word glory right here. Same way with this word glory. Verse 11, If that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious, seeing then that we have such hope. Yeah, He's dwelling in you. He's dwelling in you. Such assurance, such, such eternal fulfill, expectate. He dwells in you. That, that's it. That's it. Seeing that we have such hope. We use great plainness of speech, not like Moses, who put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end. Well, see, hon, they couldn't hear the words that Moses spoke out from God. They couldn't hear and they couldn't see either. They couldn't. They put their hands up, put a veil over Moses' face, cannot bear to look. And all of this was the, 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 at the glory that was passing. And what they couldn't hear was the words that Moses spake given to him of God. But that's a long ways from being the word in whom God hath said all things and brought all things that he said in any other way to their end, to their fulfillment. Hath spoken in son. I started the, we, we talked about that almost an hour ago now. Hunt it summed up in Christ. The summation of our salvation is in Christ, meaning it is Christ. And since it's our salvation, then it's Christ in you. Think about this, darling. Think about this, please. Not as Moses. But their minds were blinded. Even to this day, says, their minds are still blinded. Verse 18. But we all, we all, with open, that is, unveiled face, unveiled heart. Goodness says up here, 
Nevertheless, when it, the heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil should be taken away. Why? Because he says up here in another place, the veil, there is no veil in Christ. Which veil is done away in Christ? There isn't any veil in Christ. None. Which, none. Period. It's done away. Everything that veil stood for is done away in Christ. Everything that it was purposed to do, which was to keep us from beholding, or to keep them from beholding the glory of God, which they refused to look at, there on the mountain, when Moses came down, all of that. Nonetheless, the point of it is, it had much, it, yes, it's got a lot of meaning to it. It has a lot of testimony to it. Certainly it does. But, but you see, when it comes right down to it, hon, we can spend more time on all of the needless meanings of the testimony than we do on the witness himself who live is in, lives in you. So I'm telling you that, yes, yes, we do teach those things. We do look at them because they are a great testimony. But they're only great because the testimony and the witness come together in the one who now lives in you. That's why the testimony is great. It's made great by the witness of it. And that witness is the living word of God who lives in you. Honey, Christ is the summation. He's the summation. So we all with an unveiled face, an unveiled heart, as in a glass, as in a vision given of God, the glory of the Lord, Beholding. See, there's that word again I was talking to you about a while ago when I said behold. Behold it. And what did I say? I said it, it's the, the, the object of that is going to be Christ. It's going to be Christ. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And then behold, what we were talking about, the new is come. And here, beholding. Beholding. My, my, do you mean that we can live in such a reality Oh my, you mean, brother, we're not waiting? We're not waiting for a day when all of it, no. No, you are children of the day, and the light of the day lives in you now. We're in Him. We're in Him, hon. We're in Him. With Paul, it was a great reality. We have, we are in possession of such a hope that was set forth in all of the testimony. He is now living in his body. A new covenant. The new covenant, and I thought we'd get to this, but we're, we're at the end of this, this end, so we're going to stop. A new covenant a new covenant with, according to the old, a new glory. Well, the old was a testimony of the one glory of God. What we're looking at is the glory of God himself. Changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, if we will go through chapter 4. over as we have done, and then on into chapter 5, 
as we are in the process of doing, it, it will really put some clarity into, for instance, we're looking at this earthly house. It, it, it's the same thing, hon. I mean, it's in the same category of the glory of that, of that house, of that time, over and against the glory of that which is truly the heavenly. And you're going to find that it's all answered in Christ just like the house is. So we're going we're to deal with that later. But we're going to deal with it in view of a new creation in Christ. Not trying to bring old things in here and make them work. A new creation in Christ. Not an old creation waiting for some things of the new to finally come. No, no. A new creation in Christ. Lord, open our eyes that we walk in the sun, in the light and the life of the new creation in Christ Jesus. We thank you for it. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for watching. And all of our sessions that go out from here, thank you. Those sessions that we put out from here, teach here and put out from here, are for you. They're for the Lord's body. That we may be ministers in that body and to that body as the Lord leads and guides and directs. And so we thank you for it. Uh, thank you for you who, uh, uh, who help us to continue to do this. The outreach from here throughout the Lord's body, even around the world. And we appreciate your ministry to us and your help and your support. And may the Lord richly bless you for it. Just in closing, you may get on our website now, cmintl.net. The Lord bless.